This is the Everyday Christian Podcast, coming to you from the Beacon Church of Christ in West Monroe, Louisiana. Here's your host, Chase Green. Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 5 of the Everyday Christian Podcast, where we remind ourselves that God deserves every praise from every creature every day. I've got a verse pertaining to that thought for today, Psalm 145, verse 3. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. As we mentioned last time, today we are going to be discussing discouragement. Now, I want to say three things about discouragement as we start off. Number one, discouragement is inevitable. Discouragement is not a matter of if, but when, and it affects even the most faithful of us. You may be at a spiritual high. You may be, figuratively speaking, on the mountaintops of faithfulness, and then all of a sudden discouragement comes along and brings you crashing down. So discouragement is inevitable. It's it's going to happen. But number two, discouragement is also impartial. It can and it will affect anybody. I'm sure that the President of the United States gets discouraged from time to time. The vice president, congressman, the governor of our state would would be discouraged from time to time. Teachers get discouraged. Preachers get discouraged. Doctors, lawyers, bankers. On and on we could go listing prominent positions. And we could also list less prominent positions. And guess what? They get discouraged as well. Discouragement affects all of us. And then number three discouragement is very detrimental. Discouragement can sidetrack us. It can cause us to lose our spiritual focus, and it can even tempt us to fall away from the faith. So we want to talk about discouragement, and I want to discuss seven things that I believe are major causes of discouragement in the life of a Christian. Now, this list is not all-inclusive, I'm sure that you could think of other things that would lead to discouragement in the life of a Christian. But these are seven that I came up with, and they're going to be in descending order of the likelihood of causing discouragement, in my opinion. Number one, sin. You can be sure that if you are caught up in sin, you're going to be discouraged. Why is that? Because Christians are no longer supposed to be the servants of sin. Romans 6 verses 12 and following makes that perfectly clear. But tell me this, does it still happen sometimes? Well, yes, it does still happen, sadly. And Romans 7 verse 11 says that sin will deceive us. It's going to promise pleasure, but in fact, it's only going to bring guilt and shame and misery. Paul describes in Romans 7 verse 15 that sometimes Christians know what they ought to do, but they end up doing the opposite. They sin. They do the thing that they hate, again, which is sin. Can you see how your own guilt will pile up and and will cause you to be in the depths of discouragement? Not only will your own sin bring you down, but sometimes the sins of others will bring you into the depth of discouragement as well. I'm reminded of Jeremiah, who at one point just about gave up preaching 
because of the discouragement of the sins around him. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. But you know what? He couldn't do it. He couldn't give it up. He had to preach because the word of God is described as being like a fire that was shut up in his bones, and he could not forbear it. He had to preach. I'm also reminded of Elijah, who at one point slumped under a juniper tree, and then he went and hid in a cave, ready to die because he thought that he was the only one left faithful to God. First Kings chapter 19. And yet, what do we find in that chapter? Actually, God says, there were 7,000 Israelites who had not bowed the knee to Baal. So number one, the cause of discouragement in our life, well, sin. Well, what about number two? Lack of study. Now, we've discussed in great detail in previous episodes studying the Bible, and so we won't rehash too much of that. But I will say this. Do you think that a lack of Bible study will cause you to be discouraged? Of course it will. Not only will a lack of Bible study cause you to be discouraged, but it will also cause you to be destroyed, spiritually speaking. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people are destroyed. Well, why were they destroyed? For lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. In other words, their religion was worthless because they didn't really know what they were doing. So they would be no priest unto God. Seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. Well, number three, family strife. Now this is a big one. Sometimes families are not on the same page, spiritually speaking. It could be a husband and a wife. It could be parents and children, especially when those children are teenagers. It may be the in-laws or the grandparents or what have you. Divorce, sadly, is rampant in society today, isn't it? Of course, we know that God hates divorce, Malachi 2 verse 16, but sadly, divorce still happens, and it causes a lot of damage and discouragement in family life. And so if you're having problems in your family, then that's going to lead to discouragement. Well, number four in my list of things that will cause discouragement would be financial problems. Well, this is definitely a big one, too. We're talking about people's livelihoods. The Bible is clear that money cannot, it must not be our primary motivation in life. 1 Timothy 6 verse 9 says, But they that will be rich, that is, they have strong desire, they're willing themselves to riches, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. In other words, it causes people to lose their souls. We also read regarding our physical needs in Matthew 6. We see in verse 33 that if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these other physical things are needs not necessarily our desires, our luxuries, but our needs, well, they will work themselves out. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. But let's say that we have fallen on hard times, financially speaking. What then? That would certainly cause discouragement, would it not? Sometimes something catastrophic will happen in our lives from a financial perspective, 
And I would say, well, number one, Christians ought to step up and, and try to help as best they can when these things occur. Acts chapter 2, verse 45, also Acts 4, verses 32 through 35, we see Christians selling their possessions and houses and lands. And why are they selling these things? Well, they're selling these things to provide for the needs of other Christians who had fallen on hard times. We read in several places in the New Testament that Paul was bringing money from various congregations, and he was bringing it to the church at Jerusalem. There was evidently a very dire need of funds there in Jerusalem. And so the the offerings that were taking place every Sunday, uh, 1 Corinthians 16 verses 1 and 2, in various congregations, a lot of that money was actually being brought to help with a financial need in Jerusalem. So that's one thing regarding finances. But here's another thing. You need to be a good steward of the money that God has given you. When we say your money, what do we really mean? Well, yes, we have ownership of it in a sense. We have stewardship of it. But really, whose money is it? It's God's. God is the one that gave it to us. And so we better be good stewards of his money. Now, there are financial classes that you can take. You can get advice. You can read books about financial peace and so on and so forth. But really, what it boils down to is this. And that is that you need to spend less than you make. If you do that and you save some money each month, then guess what? You're going to be uh, okay, hopefully, when something uh, bad comes up, uh, when you need to, to break into those savings to take care of an unexpected need. So that's number four. Well, number five is this, work or also school. I get it. With, with work life, with school life, we are all very busy. Sometimes with work and school and extracurriculars and church, it can be very hard to find time to slow down and relax, to spend quality time with our families, to read the Bible together, to have regular regular family devotions. Sometimes work and school isn't going very well, quite frankly. And it may be the case that we're worried about losing our job or flunking out of school. This happens sometimes, even to Christians. Certainly that can discourage us. Work and school schedules can even interfere with coming to worship, can't they? Sometimes that is unavoidable, depending on the line of work or the school program that you're in. But we also need to think about this. We need to consider these things before we make our career choices or our school choices. Ultimately, what's most important, school and work or the Lord? Well, of course, the answer to that is the Lord. Number six. Now, I throw this one in there because we are definitely around a lot of bad things with the way society is today, and that is the news. Now, I used to be one who watched the news all the time, and I do still watch it to an extent, but not nearly as much as I used to. Part of the reason for that is because sometimes I would just get distraught watching all the bad things that are going on in the world. And it may not necessarily be sinful things. It could be uh, diseases or uh, other problems that are not necessarily because of sin, at least directly. But you think about it, all the world's problems, at least indirectly, are the result of sin. 
But there's also a lot of sinful things that we see in the news. And certainly I think that you could agree that society today, at least in our country, is very contrary to Christ. And we might say anti-Christ because that's really what it is. And so watching the news and all the bad things that are happening and, and sinful things that are happening in the world, they can really get us down. They can discourage us. But here's what we have to be careful about. We cannot let what's happening in the world around us become the things that are happening to us, if that makes sense. We can't let the sins of the world be something that we, as Christians, get caught up in. That's number six. And this last one, number seven, is probably going to come as a shock to some of us, but it's true. Number seven, what are some things that can discourage us as Christians? Number seven is this, fellow Christians. Now, this never should be the case, but sometimes it is. Tell me, have you ever met a perfect Christian that is a sinlessly perfect Christian? I know I haven't, and neither have you, right? Because sinlessly perfect Christians don't exist. Now, we serve a perfect Christ. He was sinlessly perfect. But you're never going to meet a sinlessly perfect Christian. And so sometimes that fact will discourage us too. Our brother or sister offends us. They've done something against us. They've sinned against us. Well, that's going to discourage us, isn't it? Now, thankfully, Jesus gave us a process in Matthew chapter 18, verses 15 and following, of how to deal with that. We're actually supposed to go to that Christian and talk to them about it and, and make it right with them. If they won't listen to us, well, then we take a couple of witnesses with us. If they won't listen to that group, well, then we take it before the church. And if they still won't listen, well, at that point, they've removed themselves from fellowship. Uh, they are to be like a heathen man or a publican at that point. That's what Matthew chapter 18 teaches. And so if we do that process, then what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to be discouraged? Or are we going to put those things behind us by hopefully resolving the conflict with our brother or sister? But even if we can't resolve the conflict, if we have to withdraw from that brother or sister, it's ultimately going to put that, that issue uh, to bed, so to speak. Now, as a preacher, here's another thing that discourages me, and that is fellow Christians not attending worship services faithfully. Now, Sometimes, again, as a preacher, I'll say this, I will be working hard on a sermon and I'll be thinking about that sermon as I'm writing it. You know what, brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, this is really going to help them. They've been struggling with this and I really think that this is going to help them get past that. And guess what? Brother or sister so-and-so doesn't show up that day. And it's not because of, of uh, being away for work or, or sickness or travel. But it seems to be that they're just not showing up. Well, that can be very discouraging. And in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, that passage says, Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Christians are to be promoting love and good works. And then it goes right into not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And so if we are forsaking the assembling of the saints, forsaking worship services, then what are we not doing? We're not, we're not uh, considering one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 
So not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. What well, can be discouraging when fellow Christians are not doing what they're supposed to be doing, not living the way that they're supposed to be living, not attending faithfully like they're supposed to be attending faithfully. But you know what? What does that have to do with me? You see, I can still do what I'm supposed to do. I can still live the way that I'm supposed to live. I can still attend faithfully like I'm supposed to attend faithfully. So yes, it can discourage us, but we have to remember that we have the responsibility for our own selves to be faithful to God. Well, those are the seven things on my list that I wanted to discuss as sources of discouragement. Now, I want to offer you three ways that you can fight discouragement in your life. Number one, and this certainly applies to the number one reason in my list, and that is you need to resist sin. James 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I guarantee you that if you are not resisting sin, then you are going to get bogged down in a spiritual funk, if you know what I mean. If you have sin reigning in your life, again, see Romans chapter 6, if it is reigning in your life, then you are going to be bogged down. You're going to be feeling guilty all the time. You're not going to be faithful. And you may still come to church even, but you know, deep deep down in the back of your mind, you know that you've got this sin in your life. Well, you need to resist it. You need to get it out of your life, repent of it, and then continue faithfully with God again. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It can be done. Jesus proved that it could be done in Matthew chapter 4. And how did he prove that? Well, he knew the word. He hid the word in his heart and he proclaimed the word to the devil himself. If we do that, then then we can resist the devil as well, just like Jesus did. So that's number one. And then number two is get to work doing the Lord's work. Don't be sidetracked. Don't forget that we have a job to do to evangelize and to be faithful as Christians, to help people and so on and so forth. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, Be strong and courageous. You need to be strong. You need to be courageous. As Joshua was entering into the land of Canaan, he was about to have to conquer some ferocious people. Remember when they had originally went in to spy the land out? They saw the giants and these really uh, intimidating walled cities. That was going to be difficult. But Joshua understood the importance of being strong and courageous. We need to be strong and courageous, and we need to be about the Lord's business doing his work. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. God knows what you're doing. God knows that you're faithful, if you are faithful, assuming that you are. He's not going to forget that. And so let's get to work. Let's, point number three, de-emphasize ourself, and let's re-emphasize Christ. It's not about you. It's not about your desires. It's not about your feelings. It's not about your thoughts. That would be self-centered religion. It's not about you. It's about him. What does God want? 
What are God's feelings about X or Y? What are his thoughts? I can assure you, his thoughts are different than your thoughts if you have not uh, adapted and, and allowed his thoughts to reign in your, your life. His thoughts will be different. Isaiah 55 verse 8, For my thoughts, God says, are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. If we're not living the way that we should be in Christ, then we're going to have different thoughts than God. And so if we have allowed discouragement or sin or other things to reign in our lives, then guess what? We're, we're, de- we're de-emphasizing Christ and we're emphasizing ourselves. So let's, let's de-emphasize self. Let's re-emphasize Christ. And then First uh, Peter 5 verse 7, we need to remember to cast all our care upon him for he careth for us. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, we'll finish here. Jesus said this, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Question, do you think that Jesus was speaking to some discouraged people when he said that? I'm sure that he was. And so we need to understand that we need to cast all of our cares upon the Lord. We need to come to him when we're laboring and heavy laden. We need to come to him and he will give us rest. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. Please help us out by giving us a like or a follow on Facebook. You can also share our podcast. That will be very helpful to us as as we try to help this podcast grow and expand our influence. Invite your friends. Uh, Leave us a rating. If you like this podcast, if it's helpful to you, give us five stars. Uh, If it's not helpful to you at all, give us one star or give us uh, somewhere in the middle of that. I'm telling you, it will help help us to see where we're at and uh, help us grow. Well, next episode, this will be episode number six. We're going to be talking about a series. We'll be starting a series, Everyday Christians Blank. And that's going to be talking about various places, various situations that everyday Christians find themselves in. And the first episode of that series next time is going to be Everyday Christians on the Job. So I hope that you'll join us for the next episode of the Everyday Christian Podcast. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the Everyday Christian Podcast with Chase Green. As always, remember, God deserves every praise from every creature every day. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Stand firm in your resolve to be an everyday Christian.